صباح الياسمين صباح الخير from Bethlehem on today's show we're having a, a friend who, who came to Bethlehem a few years ago and we we cooked together Tom Hunt from from London who's joining us and Tom has a lot of exciting news he's just come up with his second book and I'm very happy that I I figure in it uh, which makes it even more fun Tom good morning it's such a pleasure to have you good morning thanks for having me on the show Tom it, it's I mean, times are difficult and we're all confined. And But there's also a lot of talk happening about responsibility. And, and you were a bit of a precursor of responsible eating and waste management. And, and a lot of things that were now we're hearing people talk about and realize how important the planet is. And sadly, it, it took such a massive disaster. But, but it's something that's like very dear to heart for you. Um, I, I felt when, when we met, uh, you. this is how you live, actually, and you live your kitchen and your cooking and your recipes, is that responsibility. Well, t- tell me, how did all of this start? How did you start being so visionary in terms of the responsibility? Um, well, I have to take you right back to my childhood because it all began through simply eating around the table with my family every day, which unfortunately doesn't happen so much in, in our culture anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it gave me a real sense of the importance of food. And then at a very young age, around eight or nine, we moved from a town to the countryside where we, we adopted two goats in our house uh, with our house that we moved into and I was given the responsibility of milking the goats before school every day and in England you can imagine the weather the the milk was worth it we'd drink it every morning and have it on our porridge and then I ended up working on an intensive pig farm which was my first job um, caring and mucking out pigs which was really an eye-opener as to the conventional food system and how most of our meat is produced in in the UK and 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 mostly around the world really but then kind of i my passion for food grew from there and i was a vegetarian so i was like kind of in, interested in the the vegetarian movement and the whole food movement from a very young age which even then was kind of really tapped into a lot of the ideas around sustainability that we're discussing now. And, and then I eventually kind of part way through my career about 10 years ago now was invited by Tristram Stewart, who is the author of waste to create a banquet out of food waste. And up until that point, I'd been dabbling and was interested in sustainability and, knew and used and worked with organic and seasonal food and everything but creating this feast of waste really empowered me and helped me realize that actually as individuals we can make a difference and it can be very simple to do that and so I that that's just made me reconsider my approach and push you know the importance of 
people and planet to the forefront beyond anything. But without, I mean, the, the fact is you don't need to sacrifice pleasure or even profit in order to prioritize people and planet because generally better if you're going to support people in the planet you're supporting better quality food because if you're looking after in the the soil and the farmers and and the whole food system and, and biodiversity that surrounds it then you are really just creating good food good tasty food and then with a little bit of kind of chef know-how and or just thrift and a plant-rich diet it becomes very economical too isn't it i mean you mentioned when when you moved to the countryside and and then the, those memories of family meals um together isn't a bit what what we're all doing because i think i mean we share this together we 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 try and support as much as we can our farmers, uh, responsible, sustainable farming, and, and also the, the pleasure of our guests in, in, in when we cook for people. Isn't it a bit going back to what our grandparents used to do? What, what our great-grandparents used to do? And if I take Palestine as an example, Palestine has mainly small towns. We, we don't have mega, you know, megapoles and, and large cities. But for me, it sounds a bit like what we're all doing in our kitchens today is trying to go back to what our great-grandparents used to do, which was extremely responsible. And they had methods that were responsible, which we forgot over the last 50, 60 years. And today, as chefs, and you're contributing your both your, your culinary know-how, but also a lot of your science into making it accessible again to people with a very modern touch, of course, it's not you're not going back to recipes that are 100 years old, but you're creating something new, which somehow had a seed 100 years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, in, in the right, in many ways, what I'm doing isn't new at all. Um, and I mean, it's from a new perspective, which means that it's quite, it does change the approach, um, and. You're, you're right, though. Yes, looking to our great-grandparents. Unfortunately, my gran is the best cook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, she wouldn't, hopefully she won't listen to this. Um, <laughs> she, she, um, yeah, she, she eats a lot of ready meals and stuff oh. now, which is a shame. But that's sadly the culture in the UK. She lived you know, 100 miles away from us. Mm -hmm. um, and, <clears throat> yeah, so... <laughs> It's, yeah, so I think we're revisiting these old ideas and it's, it's so important that we protect that knowledge from, from being lost and the techniques and skills that of the past, because often they are the most sustainable solution to our modern, our modern problems. Mm. And, um, and I think we can do that through honouring our the people in our societies that still practice and know those skills as tradition. Um, and, and it's so important to hold on to those traditional artisans and food producers and farmers and, and revere and ho hold them up as the real heroes within, you know, within our world. I mean, with the whole kind of 
with the whole pandemic that's happening at the moment, at least in the UK, we've seen that in a, in a way because it's the key workers who, you know, from the farmers to the health service that are really vital when it when you know when push comes to shove. It's the the yeah. those people are, are the most important people in our lives and in in the world. But when I was reading. Um... Eating for pleasure, pleasure, people and planet. There's something that I I also noticed in in a lot of the methods or or ingredients you, you're using, and it's it's that you've opened a lot of influences coming from your travels into your vision, and actually you've made a lot of things that may have not been accessible to people in the rains. You've made them very very accessible, for example, for a UK public and. So everybody can do Lebanon now in their homes if they, they buy your book and read and read it. And they can actually make a nice, very, very nice few dishes out of Lebanon, which you've made fantastically well. And they're accessible to anybody, whether they're people who are used to eating ready-made meals or to, to actually quite knowledgeable home cooks. But you've really like gotten these very traditional foreign influences into the, the book. How, how do you feel about being a bit the, one of the main voices of saying you can have foreign food, you just don't, don't need to buy it out of a packet. You can make it at home. You can integrate foreign foreign methods into your food um, without having to, again, I mean, you know, pe- people have, sadly, a lot of people's vision of things is if we want food that's from abroad or a method that's from abroad, we need to buy a ready-made meal that comes from in a packet that says Indian food or Palestinian, I mean, Arab food, Middle Eastern food or Palestinian food or whatever. And actually you're saying, look, yeah, no, you can be, uh, you can use your local, local producers and make something that's very British in, in the sense that it's very much rooted in your immediate vicinity of, of local producers, these heroes you speak about. And that, But you can also use methods that are from abroad. How do you feel about this balance of, of saying we're actually... We need to save the planet, but we can learn from other cultures also and stay very British in, in our approach. Yeah, well, I mean, we've in the in the UK we had a very weak food culture up until the nineties, but since the nineties, our weakness became our strength because that lack of that lack of food culture allowed us to adopt interesting and very multicultural and diverse um, food culture by through the people that had come to the UK um, and and brought their food with them from Indian people to uh, yeah people from the Middle East and also obviously all around the world a lot of Jamaican cultural food here and 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 it's it's kind of filtered into our own food culture and it's widely accepted uh, and enjoyed by everyone. Um, And so it's only natural for kind of for me to have adopted some of that and learned from, and from other cultures. I've also traveled a lot and had the pleasure of coming to stay with you as well. Of course, I've always, I think part, part of the reason I've, I'm, I, you know, if I do say so myself, part of the reason I'm a good cook is because I've always had that open mind and thirst to learn 
from others mm. and my you know my first jobs in in kind of kitchens they weren't the best restaurants in the world but they i learned so much about good food from the chefs that were working there and the same is true from you um and we enjoyed cooking together didn't we and made a fakara and some other dishes which was a great experience and it certainly helped well create some new recipes that i've put into the new book um and it's yeah. I, for me, that's what's exciting about food. You know, I I don't hide it. I have a passion for meat, and then, you know, you 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 actually kept teasing me a bit about it. Um, but what I what I was seeing in in your book, and I think this is admirable because you actually tell people be conscious and aware about where you're getting your meat from. Um, and there's a little little square that says, you know, somehow you explain to people how to deal with meat. Do you think we're going towards a vegetarian, a totally vegetarian world? Or do you think people are just going to be both the, 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 the I mean, the, the, the farmers and people are going to be more aware about how to treat animals? And In my manifesto, Root to Fruit Eating, I advise people to eat mostly plants because that, like not everyone should eat less meat um and i'm actually i'm a supporter of good animal agriculture and the proper and thrifty use of animal protein but i also am yeah a kind of advocate of 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 vegetables and and feel like most of we can, well, we can certainly live well off only plants. And so it's not necessary to eat a huge amount of meat. It's interesting to go to one of your previous questions about tradition and how our great grandparents ate. And they probably ate very little meat, but made every possible use they could out of it. Um, and and that would be my advice. Like I think there's a lot of there's a lot to be learned from tradition and that those kind of old cultural ways. Now I'm not a luddite either, and but I do struggle with technology and understanding how it can help. Um, other than through communication, I mean we're we're speaking now, you know, from distance apart. And that's brilliant that we're able to communicate on these ideas so simply. Um, and, and technology has its place in farming too. Um, just, I'm always where it often means kind of efficiency, but only for growth, which isn't necessarily the right attitude when it comes to sustainable food systems. Well, I think that that's something, you know, we, we've we seen a, a change in, in, in our jobs as, as chefs. And 20 years ago, you would work in a restaurant where they would source one type of carrot and they'd want all the carrots to be of the same caliber and the same look. And if they weren't, they'd send them back. Um, or they would source, I mean, with meat, they would source one piece of the animal and they wouldn't really care about the rest. Um, and today, all of that's changed quite a bit. And yes, 
technology and and what we're doing and what other people can do together is really raise this awareness wherever you are across the world of how responsible we should be today to protect our you know we, I mean I keep saying we we don't exist as chefs without our farmers they they're they're the blessing we have without them we're nothing i mean if if i if you wouldn't have any products in your kitchen you you could, you're not going to cook anything and, and neither would i they, so that they're really the people the stories of people um their lives and really promoting them as the real champions and and of, of what we have in a plate when when you were here in in, in palestine um with felicity specter you also went around a bit the, the country and and went to to meet a few producers if you could name one produce that you've taken back with you to the uk or, or taken back into your kitchen and, and what would it be from from your trip here well we saw so many wonderful producers we went to the canaan cooperative and uh we went to the dead sea to see salt production we went to jericho and the jordan valley to see and eat medjool dates which were, are always wonderful and um but what really stood out for me was uh, we went up to Janine in northern Palestine to meet Besema Barafme from the uh, from a women's cooperative there she hand makes maftool and also produces olive oil but she she taught me how to make maftool there and i learned about the hard work that goes into producing it but also the interesting indigenous varieties of wheat that they're using mm. and that they're using as whole grains to make the hand rolled maftool or couscous mm. and it was yeah i mean that's for me talking you know we've got this theme of tradition those traditional wheat varieties are really important for food resilience and biodiversity and the fact that people like besema and many others around Palestine are still producing that that product is it saves that those varieties of wheat and and helps distribute them around the world as well which is really good as long as it's um done with sustainability in mind mm. so would frika be one of them would frika be also a Yeah you put is that is that what you wanted me to say No 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 I'm just no maftool is I agree with you with maftool is fantastic and Yeah but and the preservation of local wheat traces is very important It can be done responsibly and remember I mean it's it's important to remember that Esty and I came to visit you with Titan and Fair Trade and so I think if it's done responsibly and thoughtfully with the local people in mind then it can be done it can be so positive uh, and i love frika as well <laughs> responsible export is is very important for being able to maintain people's livelihoods and income um and dry dry products are, are really dry food products are, are the, the easiest to export and they they have long long lives um so that we're not dealing with very short shelf lives and and things like that and i think that's what zaytun have have been doing quite well with palestinian products is they've selected high quality products that they come back quite often here they meet their i mean there's real i think part of being responsible is part of the human story and and part of the real human touch it's not just 
um, making sure the the chain and, and the the flow is is responsible, but also having that very close personal relation with your producers. And, and that's I mean, when you talk about Basma, that that's what but you when you were in Janine, that's what you've done. You it, it wasn't just about oh, Maftoul is great. It was it was more about really the whole story of a person inscribed in their local culture, in their local reality. Tom, just to go back to your book, um, the, the book is available now um, on, on on all platforms, if I do believe. Yeah, I think it's, internationally, it's not as easy as usual, but I'm sure if you purchase it, it will come eventually. <laughs> Um, so what, what's next? What's after after eating for pleasure, people and planet? What's your next? What's your next project? Well, I've been working very hard on a podcast of my own, the Chef's Manifesto. Um, but yeah, so I've been producing or hosting a podcast for the Chef's Manifesto. It's it's live now. If you go to this. Um, if you Google Chef's Manifesto podcast, you'll find it. Uh, and in that, there's nine episodes plus some bonus episodes where I interview different chefs and talk about the eight areas of the manifesto, discussing everything around our food system and how we can support the planet and people that produce our food. Um, and it's it's been a, such a pleasure producing it, and I've had the opportunity to talk to some other wonderful chefs. So brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. Tom, thank you for being with us this morning and hopefully uh, soon again in Palestine. Absolutely, Fadi. It's such a pleasure. And um, I just want to say, you know, how comfortable you made Felicity and I feel when we visited you and also how, what an inspiration Palestinian and Arabic food has been on my own cuisine. Thank so you. thank you. Thank you. It was it was great when you, you were here. I think we, we had loads of fun. And Felicity was a great companion. She, she got me to find again my passion for tahina, which I, had, I hadn't realized I had. And I think she, you and, and Felicity got me to see my, my food differently. Um, with and since then, I think I'm totally hooked on tahina, even more than I used to be. Like every Palestinian's hooked on tahina, but Felicity has made me hooked even more. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll brilliant. Be... I, I have a pot of it next to my toast, so I can put it on my toast. <laughs> oh, you, so you still have some in the morning? Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Have a great day. Thanks Thank so much, Thank you very buddy. much, Tom. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.